Well, I just finally finished reading issue one of Friendship in Disguise, the Transformers, My Little Pony, uh, Friendship is Magic uh, crossover. And I thought, honestly, it was really good. I thought it was a nice little start. Um, basically, the premise is divided, well, for this issue anyway, it's divided into two separate stories. The first story is basically an origin of how the crossover began. It takes a nice little jab at how, you know, certain crossovers, you know, right off the bat, it, um, what I'm trying to say is it takes, you know, certain jabs at how certain crossovers just don't make sense because you have quibble pants, um, you have quibble pants uh, from the show uh, reading a crossover comic between Daring Do and the Power Ponies. So basically he's commenting, um, as you can probably see on screen, he's commenting on how you know ridiculous the premise is uh, for a crossover like this to take place but uh, basically overall it does kind of set the table or you know set the foundation for what we're about to be in store for and what we find out for all of you that have uh, read the issue already but what we find out basically is Crystalis is searching for other changelings just like her and um, and the rest of the changelings that she's been able to recruit, the non-reformed changelings, to kind of get back at Twilight Sparkle and the rest of the main seven, main eight, and Equestria. Now, from a continuity standpoint, this does, if it kind of makes sense, does take place within the Season 10 time frame. Now, Season 10, of course, is a comic-exclusive uh, continuation of the animated series. So basically, long story short, it looks like it takes place in between there because, you know, Crystalis acknowledges her imprisonment, her recent imprisonment. Uh, Twilight even wants to know how the heck you got out. So it's very intriguing. So it's very interesting and intriguing. And hopefully as future issues come out, we'll get a better answer of how Crystalis uh, escaped her imprisonment. Now, I don't know if it's the imprisonment from the stone prison that she got in the finale of the animated show or if it's a stone imprisonment, or if it's an imprisonment, I should say, that takes place in the comics. But it does raise a lot of questions of like, okay, what imprisonment is she talking about? Uh, anyway, as she's doing this, uh, it transitions over to Cybertron, and we see that the Autobots are trying to defend a uh, deactivated or kind of malfunctioning space bridge that is, you know, sending off some unusual energy has attracted the Decepticons and Shockwave informs Megatron basically that um, this space bridge isn't doing what a normal space bridge does which is you know reach across stars and all that to other planets it's reaching across dimensions so that's really intriguing and just as he says this basically that's when all the Autobots and Decepticons in the vicinity as well as on the other side, as we'll find out from previews of the upcoming issue, uh, Equestria basically gets sucked in to the space bridge and sent to Equestria. Well, in turn, you have uh, certain characters from Equestria, like I said, as we're going to find out in the next issue or so, uh, get sent over to Earth or over to Cybertron. So, basically... Um, as I mentioned, as Shockwave brings this up, that's when uh, the Autobots and Decepticons in the vicinity get sucked into the Space Bridge and sent to Equestria of various parts of Equestria. Well, certain Equestrians, dragons, ponies, whatever, get sent 
uh, over to Earth and over to Cybertron. Now, I like I like how they all encountered each other. Um, it's it, you can basically see the setting up like you know the leaders sitting it off, kind of like partnering up because they have the same ambitions, if you will. You know, Twilight obviously. Uh, noticing that the Autobots, the Transformers, are alive. So she goes to aid them as a falling, mostly being Optimus and Bumblebee. And as she's going to aid, aid them in fa from falling, she hears Optimus kind of say he's going to kind of, you know, break the fall for him and Bumblebee. And this is enough for Twilight to be like, okay, obviously you guys, you, whatever you are, are good. You're not exactly what Crystalis had in mind. And so basically they, you know, she saves them from falling, they thank her, they have introductions, and basically Prime has to inform Twilight that, well, you know, you know, we might be, you know, about Pete, we might be, you know, creatures that change and everything, but not all of us that came through are about peace and harmony or keeping it safe and all that. And you kind of get that image of Crystalis riding upon the tank mode of Megatron. Now we have a second issue called Shine Like Diamond or something like that and it introduces us to the meeting between Rarity and RC and how this happens is like I said the some of the Decepticons and Autobots got sent to various parts of Equestria so Starscream ends up in Manhattan and he's basically using that as his foundational plans to use that as his foundation to make Equestria his empire, to make it his kingdom. And, you know, Rarity is, you know, trying her best to, you know, keep everyone safe. She's trying to basically appeal a little bit to, to Starscream, you know, kind of throw him off a little bit, distract him. And um, even though it's not intentional or anything, the distraction is just enough, or the appealing is just enough that, you know, Starscream doesn't notice RC coming into the picture and taking him out. So after she takes him out and makes him retreat temporarily, um, you have introductions between RC and Rarity. And they kind of see that even though, you know, they might be different, they do have a lot in common, mostly protecting their friends no matter what. And uh, this is displayed uh, later on when Starscream comes back with uh, Thundercracker and they try to you know, get revenge for, you know, RC driving, you know, Starscream off and all that. And we see a great team up, if you will, between Rarity and RC, because it looks like RC is going to be on her own. She's going to be outnumbered. She's going to have to do the best she can. But, you know, Rarity's like, no, no, that's not going to happen. And she uses her shield, her diamond shield, more increased version, uh, to help uh, protect uh, RC from being shot at. And R.C., of course, is very impressed. In fact, she's very impressed by what Rarity has mentioned before about her facing adversaries and all that. But like I said, R.C. is impressed by Rarity being able to manipulate, create this shield to protect her. That, you know, she wants to know what Rarity has for an Encore. Encore says, I mean, not Encore, but Rarity basically says, well, you know, give me, help me get that, you know, a cloth over there or whatever. So they do, and Rarity is able to use it with R.C.'s help to kind of entangle both Starscream and Thundercracker. Thundercracker's like, you know, enough. I've had it. I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. So he takes off. He saves his hide. Well, the 
cloth is enough to cause Starscream to basically get disoriented and crash outside of Manhattan. So basically, long story short, um, you know, they're both impressed by each other's prowess, being able to help each other, you know, and all that. And, and you can tell when Rarity manipulated or created that uh, diamond shield, that bigger one, than what we saw, let's say, in the ending of the end part two, when she used one to protect <coughs> her and Spike, excuse me there, uh, from Chrysalis. You can tell it took a lot of strain, a lot of effort because she's sweating a little bit and I like that little bit of detail you're adding a little bit of adding that little bit of sweat kind of showing the strain and how much it took out of her but long story short the uh, second story in this issue ends with both Rarity and RC confirming that they're becoming friends if not fast friends and that's about it and then of course the rest of the issue gives you the cover for the next issue, which one of the main stories is going to focus on Grimlock and Spike pairing up. And then it gives you a cover gallery of these three covers, as well as the other one with Prime and Twilight. Um, overall, uh, I thought this issue was a great beginning, a great start to this crossover. I, I like the stories and how they're structured. I mean, I, and also, again, I like the little jab at the beginning where they kind of acknowledge how a lot of people would look at a crossover like this by having Quibble Pants, you know, saying exactly what, you know, some people would say about a crossover like this when he's reading a Power Ponies Daring Do crossover comic that it doesn't make sense for something like this to take place if, you know, continuity is going to be interrupted or things like that. And there is uh, uh, the newsstand pony that sold him the, the comics, like saying, kind of responds by saying, you know, exactly what a lot of us would say to those that question it. Hey, it's, I think it's just to be, it's just, you know, for fun. It's just for fun, you know, for people to enjoy. Because, because in reality, a lot of us have always been wanting to see something like this uh, between both franchises. Because growing up, you know, in the 80s and 84, up until now, you know, I've always been a Transformers fan. Always have been, always will be. And basically, when you look at Generation 4, Friendship is Magic of My Little Pony, and you look at Transformers Generation 1, or at least a more modern take on it now, uh, with the inclusion of newer characters, um, you can kind of see why they did this. Because Generation 1 of Transformers, basically, despite not being on the air for that long, had and still has the impact uh, on a lot of people. It's still a big... It's still beloved by a lot of fans who grew up on it and even some newer fans and that are getting introduced to it by the parents and the grandparents so it's basically some so basically it has such a a, a residence with with people that that grew up on it that even those people that grew up on it that became fans bronies pegasisters if you will of my little pony friendship is magic kind of compare the two as being very similar as having a similar impact and residence on um does on on the fans that you know it's accumulated uh throughout its near decade of existence so overall though i thought again the issue was great and like i said you know the little jab at the beginning to kind of acknowledge that yeah this might be ridiculous you know by having quibble pants acknowledge you know acknowledge how or talk about how ridiculous the daring do power ponies crossover is um i thought was i thought was cute i thought was funny uh, again, though, uh, again, though, overall, the 
the issue is a great beginning uh, to this crossover. Uh, like I said, I like how it's structured, how you got the first story basically being an origin of how the crossover began. You know, you know what set off the chain of events to make it happen. And then I like how the next story is kind of following up on that and we start seeing certain characters pair off. Like, you know, in the first issue, you kind of get an idea that, okay, Twilight's going to pair off with, is going to team up with um, Optimus and Bumblebee. You might have Fluttershy with Bumblebee for, for all we know. I don't really know. Um, and then, you know, you also see the po potential that you're going to have Wind Charger, who, by the way, you know, that's not Power Glide there. That's actually Wind Charger with Rainbow Dash uh, in that cover. But basically, you get you get the idea that Wind Charger is going to be teaming up with Rainbow Dash and uh, even the Wonderbolts. So that's you get that you gotta get that pair off right there or that team up right there. And then I like the following the following story, which kind of cements the friend the fast friendship developing between RC and Rarity because they have a lot in common. So overall, though, again thought the issue was a great start to the crossover. I like the structure. I like how, for right now, it's divided uh, into two separate stories. I don't know if they're going to keep that up for the next couple of issues uh, as they get ready to wrap this thing up uh, within the next few months. Uh, I don't know if they're going to, like I said, keep it that way or, you know, they're going to start focusing issues to be one story entirely. So, well, uh, like I say a lot, we'll have to wait and see, but, and, but overall, yeah, I thought it was a great start, a great beginning, and I highly recommend checking it out. Again, that little, that little jab at the start uh, of the issue is, well, basically, it basically speaks for a lot of people that look, hear about this, and they're like, you know, that doesn't make sense, because I, as I've mentioned before, I told my family about this one time, and my older sister's like, what sense does that make, and it's, Quibble Pants saying something similar to that at the beginning of this issue is kind of how a lot of people feel when they hear about a crossover like this happening. But overall, though, I thought it was a great story. I thought it was stru structured perfectly. I mean, it does kind of raise the questions of exactly what imprisonment Crystals is talking about. Is it an imprisonment that took place in the comics continuity or is it a stone imprisonment that happened at the end of the animated series? Hopefully that will be clarified as the issues go on. Uh, but well, the crossover goes on, I should say. But overall, thought it was great. Highly recommend you check it out. And I will be doing a review hopefully soon on issue two. It's scheduled to come tomorrow in the mail or by via UPS. And once I get it, I'll read it and hopefully be back on here to do a review on that one. So until next time, guys, let me know what you all think down below. Comment if you like. I am out.